You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Welcome. Uh, it's so great to have you here. And if you're tuning in online, welcome. We love you. Thrilled you're with us. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Josh. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at the Whole Vineyard Church. And um, yeah, so excited to share a message uh, with you this morning. Um, we've been in a series called This Is a Move. And today is the last week in the series before we move on to the incredible vision series next week. And if you've missed the last few weeks, you can catch up online on our website. But essentially, in This Is A Move, we've been exploring what it looks like for us as a church to step into what God is doing, to step into a move of God, to walk in our royal identity, to operate in our kingdom authority, to host the presence and the power of God. We've talked about how we move in the gifts of healing and the gifts of the prophetic and partner with the Holy Spirit to see his kingdom come here in Hull as it is in heaven. And how many of you know that as we have lent into the things of God, he has been moving and he has been speaking and calling and healing. And um, I heard this story a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to share it. It's one of my favorite recent stories, guy in our church. Um, Two weeks ago, I spoke on healing, and we practiced healing at the end of the service. We prayed for people, and a bunch of people got healed, and a guy called Dave comes up to me after the service, and he says, Josh, I've been healed. I said, amazing. Tell me what happened. He said, well, I had these two fingers on my hand. Couldn't move before. They were just in in such pain, and uh, and I couldn't really move them. It was really, really painful for quite a while, but now look at this. And he was moving them, completely healed. And I said, amazing, who healed you? Who prayed for you? Who's got the anointing? And he said, no one prayed for me. He said, just in this atmosphere, sovereignly God healed him. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Isn't Jesus kind? And it's an amazing kingdom principle that actually, as we create as a church an atmosphere of hunger for the Lord, an expectation that he will move amongst us, he will. And he does, and I have the expectation that he's going to move amongst us this morning, and he's going to heal, and he's going to call, and he's going to reveal more of his goodness and kindness to us as a church. And actually, I believe this is just the beginning of what we are going to see. And actually, I believe that our community, this church, will become a house where the power and the presence of God will be tangible and manifest, and our reputation will precede us. I was praying for our church this week. And I felt the Lord just give me this verse from Acts chapter 5, which says this, Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. This is the early church. The early church was renowned as a place where the power and the presence of God dwelt in such extraordinary, in an extraordinary way, so much so that people brought their sick from all across the city. And I felt God say that actually that's going to, be what happens here. People are going to be bringing their sick and those that are living in captivity to this church building because they've heard that things happen here. When we gather, God moves and God heals and God does remarkable things. 
When we read the stories in the book of Acts, we know that the community of God, the church, was alive with the presence of God. The kingdom was advancing, and their reputation was such that people got saved in gatherings. It was remarkable. But this actually is not the norm norm for the book of Acts in the early church. Most of the encounters, the power encounters that happen, most of the healings and the deliverances, people getting saved and the remarkable moments don't happen in gathered environments like this. Where do they happen? In the book of Acts, most of them happen when the church leaves the building and goes into the city. And that is what I want to talk about this morning. We're going to conclude our series, This is a Move, by a talk called We Are a Move. We are a move. The early church was a church that gathered in homes midweek and did corporate gatherings, but they went beyond that. They were scattered servants. They were dispersed disciples who carried the power and the presence of Jesus wherever they went. Most of the encounters with God, uh, with people, happened not in gathered environments, as I said, but in ordinary moments in the world. And I believe that if we want to see a move of God in our time, That won't happen by us staying in this building with our delicious coffee and our warm auditorium and our bookshop and our nice lights and our comfortable chairs and our great worship music. Church, we have to be a move of God. We have to get out beyond the four walls of this building and go to our city. This is where we are finishing this series. We need to step outside the four walls of our church and live awake to what God is doing because how many of you know God is on the move already in our city? God is on the move already and he wants to awaken us to what he is doing in our city, in our streets, among our neighbours, at the school gates, in Sainsbury's local, at the hairdressers, at Hull City on a Saturday afternoon, on a public bus in an aisle of Lidl. Our city is full of hungry people, hungry for God, hurting from life, who are searching for more, who maybe on their own will never think about stepping foot in a church. We've got to go and get them and love them and welcome them into the kingdom. Someone once said the next great move of God won't be a move of God in the church, but it will be a move of God, move of the church. It's called the Great Commission because it is a commission in in Jesus's When he commissioned the disciples, he said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, stay and wait for disciples to come to you. He didn't say, relax and make disciples. He said, go. And so I believe God is calling us to move. Let me ask a question this morning. What if, what if we aren't actually waiting on a move of God at all? What if God is waiting on a move of the church? What if a spiritual awakening in our city is more available to us than we realized? William Booth, who founded the Salvation Army, famously said this, I am not waiting for a move of God. I am a move of God. I love that. When Jesus began his ministry, his opening line was this, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. This was the great declaration of the ministry of Jesus, was that God's kingdom was coming. It was available. It was close. It was within reaching distance. Consider all the ways that God's kingdom manifests itself here on earth in healing, 
in deliverance, in freedom, in joy, in peace, in salvation, in wholeness, in justice. This is what the kingdom looks like. This is what things look like when God is in charge and God's will is perfectly done. Jesus is saying this kingdom is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is closer than you think. Healing is closer than you think. Deliverance is available and close. Freedom is here. It's almost like Jesus was saying the kingdom is in we- within reaching distance. Do you want it? But how many of you know it's vital that in order to receive a gift that is placed in front of us, you have to reach out and lay hold of it. And so what does it look like for us as a church to become a move of God? What does it look like for us as a church family to reach out and lay hold of the kingdom which is at hand? Two weeks ago, I spoke on releasing healing in Acts 3. And if you missed that talk, let me give you a quick run through this scenario because I want to jump into the aftermath of that story in Acts 4. There's two guys at the center of that story called Peter and John, two of the apostles, and they meet a guy, they bump into a guy in a random coincidental moment who has been severely disabled from birth, lame from birth. He was begging outside a gate and they intervene. They, they move towards him. They restore dignity to to him. They love him. They step into his brokenness and hopelessness, and they bring a moment of healing and renewal. And this guy gets miraculously healed, restored, and life gets returned to him. And the story doesn't end there. In the aftermath of that miraculous encounter, Peter and John come up against significant opposition And I think there's one verse I want to focus on in this moment, in this encounter that they have with some of the religious elite, the Pharisees, that I believe we can learn from in terms of becoming a move of God. And there's one verse I want to share about that. They get pulled into a court. They get arrested for doing this thing. And they get questioned, and the Pharisees have a go at Peter and John and say, how on earth are you doing this? What's going on? And Peter shares an amazing speech. You should read it. We don't have time to read it this morning, but there's one verse how Peter responds um, to this. The persecutors listening to Peter talking of Jesus. And this is the one verse I believe will teach us everything this morning. Verse 13. If we can have it on the screen. It says this, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, And they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let me read that again. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What does it mean? What does it look like to step into a move of God? Three things. Firstly, We are called to live boldly. Our world, our city needs bold Christians. If we have the text back up, it says that they saw, these are the Pharisees that are having a go, criticizing, persecuting Peter and John. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. They saw the boldness. Many people think that boldness is a feeling. And that the opposite of boldness is fear. I don't think this is true at all, certainly not in the kingdom sense. Boldness is not a feeling. Boldness is an action. 
Notice that they saw the boldness of Peter and John. Boldness is something you can see. It is a verb. It is a doing word. Boldness is the action of stepping into a God moment despite how you feel. I would argue that living boldly has nothing to do with how you feel on the inside. You can feel terrified, but you can still act boldly. You can feel unprepared, but you can still respond with boldness. You can feel unqualified or incompetent or even full of fear, but you can still be bold. Our city today needs bold Christians. In the Greek, the word boldness is an action word. It speaks of bringing to light that which we carry. It speaks of the action of sharing news publicly or or offering to pray for someone or releasing healing upon someone's body. Boldness is an action. And church, at the center of a move of God has to be a church that is bold, that steps into moments of hurt, gospel opportunities, chance encounters with a resolve that we carry something that can bring hope into this hopeless situation, that can bring the love of Jesus into someone's life. And in our world right now, I want to suggest that boldness looks a lot like just doing something, just doing a little bit, just making a bit of a difference. Because your boldness tells a story to the world that people can see. They saw the boldness of Peter and John. When you are bold enough to step beyond your fear, beyond your comfort zone, beyond your worries of what people might think, people will see that and they will say, what is different about you? Church, we need to be bold. And it doesn't matter how you feel. I experienced this. I experienced this quite a lot, the wrestle and the tension between feeling like I want to step out and do something for Jesus, but then being terrified. I think probably the scaredest I've ever been was when, I think John, this was about 10 years ago, John Clark had a great idea, and he said, hey, Josh, do I think you should do with students? I think you should go on, on a university, university bus, and I think you should stand up and tell everyone the gospel. I'm like, yeah, thanks, John. <laughs> That's uh, such an annoying thing to suggest. Um, and I felt like, uh, do I have to do that? Oh, my goodness. That's terrifying. And I remember just thinking and praying and like, okay, Jesus, are you asking me to do something like that? And I remember um, we were running an alpha course at the church at the time, and uh, I, th- I felt I need to do something. I need to do it. I need to do it. And I remember getting some flyers. And I remember I was thinking to myself, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I move into boldness in this moment? Where I got on the bus in Cottingham. I'm driving all the way um, back. I'm thinking, okay, let's wait to the next stop. <laughs> I, can't, I don't know if I can do it just now. And uh, honestly, I've... I've completely terrified and I've no idea, no idea what to say and I wait and it's full of students and I wait until we just pull up to university <laughs> and, then I, and then I just and I just jumped up and I said I don't even, know, I don't even remember what I said um, and it was probably embarrassing and they probably think who is this absolute lunatic uh, but I said uh, guys can I just have your attention please um, uh, I'm from a church called the Vineyard. We're doing an Alpha course. Do you want to come? And then, 
And then, I, and then I got off the bus and gave people flyers on the way in. And if you were there, you would have thought, this guy, I mean, he has no idea what he's doing. Um, and we run the Alpha course, and I think there was over 120 students in the room. And I don't, know if, I don't think anyone came from the bus, but the Lord taught me a very valuable lesson about um, actually what happens when we step out is out of our control. God is looking for people who will simply be willing to look crazy for him. God loves boldness. People see boldness. I actually think God loves it when we step out of the boat and end up looking ridiculous. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, famously said, I'm a fool for Christ who's fool are you. In other words, um, he was willing to look silly for Jesus. He was willing to put himself out there, not care what everyone thinks, and be used by God. And here is the vital point about that lesson that I learned long ago, is that boldness does not equal success. Boldness does not equal success. God is looking for a bold church, people that actually step outside of their comfort zone. What happens on the other side of that is out of our control. One of the things that I've tried to do over the years is um, ask God to give me people's names in supermarkets. And I just think this would be an amazing thing to do. Does anyone else agree? Like if I go up to someone and say, hey, are you Tom? And, and the guy goes, yeah, I'm Tom. How did you know? I said, Jesus told me. And he wants to tell you that he loves you. Or some, that's, that's how it plays out in my head. I've done it a few times. I've never got the name right. <laughs> so I, it's constantly been like, hey, um, are, you, are you Lucy? And she, and she goes, no. And I go, Honestly, it's never worked. Another, another one, I don't know if this is in the Bible, I, maybe I'm breaking all the rules by doing this, but um, I hear stories of people speaking in tongues and it comes out another language. And um, I, you know, if I know some, you know, I don't know how to say this well, but um, sometimes I'll speak in tongues to people that I know from another country and, and hope it gets. And it, it never has. And they look at me and they go, I know, I know you're not speaking English. <laughs> and I know you're not speaking my language. Um, the point of this is, church, I think we need to celebrate failures as much as we celebrate successes. Because God loves it when we step out and do something in a moment of boldness and make a difference. There's a guy who's quite a prophetic guy in the States, and he shared a story once that I love this. He was in a coffee shop, and he gets lots of kind of accurate words of knowledge. He went up to a guy and he said, um, hey, your name's James, isn't it? And this guy goes, no. And he goes, oh, okay. I felt disheartened. And the guy goes, um, why would you ask me your name? And he go, the guy goes, well, you know, I've I've been trying to hear from God, and you know, sometimes God kind of speaks to me, sometimes I get it wrong. And the guy goes, really, I've always wanted to hear from God. Can we, can we chat about that? And he goes, yeah, okay, chat about that. And they sat down, they had a coffee together, and he led him to the Lord over the next half an hour. I love that story because it came from a moment of boldness of stepping out, and then a moment of failure of getting it wrong, and yet God still used it, a failed word of knowledge. I think that is incredible. So if you have stories, guys, of you just doing something, it might be look like baking cookies for a neighbor. It might look like 
paying for the coffee and someone in front of you in the queue or might look like just give, sharing a word of encouragement at church, uh, at work to someone who has been not very nice to you. We need to be celebrating those moments. We need to celebrate moments when people step out, even if nothing happens. Where in your world could you represent Jesus with boldness this week? I bet there'll be moments. There always are. Moments when you get a choice to step in or stay silent, to risk discomfort for the sake of a God moment. Boldness looks like saying hi to someone at the school gates when usually everyone is silent in a queue. I find that at the minute. I'm like, oh, it's, if I say hi, it's going it's to be awkward. Boldness is just saying hello a lot of the time or offering to pray for someone or inviting neighbors round for dinner or name-dropping Jesus to a family member that's maybe walked away from God years ago. There are moments in every one of our lives that will take boldness. And I believe if you want to step into a move of God, we need to embrace those moments. Boldness is an action. Secondly, if we want to step into a move of God, we need to embrace weakness. When they saw, let's get the text back up, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. I love that. In the world... In our culture, we are taught and told that only the strong will survive. We're told that if you want to make a difference, if you want to thrive in life, you need to earn lots of money. You need to be successful. You need to be the best, be the toughest, strongest, most popular, most beautiful. And actually, church, we've believed the lies that this is the way to the best life. But in the kingdom of God, it is the complete opposite. Here's what God does. God takes average ordinary, basic, broken people, and he uses them for his purposes. It's not about how good you are, or if you have all the answers, or how much you know about God. None of that determines whether God will use you. The Pharisees saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they knew that these guys were ordinary and unschooled men, and they were astonished. The reason they were astonished is what? It's because Peter and John didn't try to be anyone other than who they were. They were unashamedly themselves with their flaws and their failures and their averageness. And they just represented Jesus. And God used them in incredible ways. They were ordinary. They were unschooled. Does anyone else feel ordinary and unschooled in the room today? Okay, I'm sure there's more of you than that. I feel ordinary. I live my life feeling ordinary and unschooled. But if you are ordinary and unschooled, if you are a normal person, you qualify to be used by God. God wants to take your life as it is with your failures, with your scars and your wounds, with your unique weirdness. Is anyone else here weird? Does anyone else here think that God won't use them because they are weird? There's more of you weird people in the room that, raised, that didn't raise their hand. <laughs> he wants to take your personality. Some people think I'm a quiet person. God won't use me. That's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. He wants to take your passions and your hobbies, your brokenness and your mess. He wants to use you to change the world around you. Slowly but surely, like yeast in a dough, he wants to use you to extend the kingdom. Too many people 
give up on the idea that God doesn't want to use them because they are ordinary and unschooled. They say, I, I, I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. You, you, you don't know about my past and the mistakes I've made and the sins that I've committed. I don't know what to say or how to pray. I don't know the five steps of the healing model. I have no idea what to say and what to do. And God's like, irrelevant. I want to use you. I want to use you today as you are. And here's the crazy thing, that when we say yes and give God who we are today with all of our stuff and our personality, that actually makes us more effective for the kingdom. Imagine if Peter and John had perfected an incredible speech and they were dressed up like in white suits and they had just worked on everything. I reckon the Pharisees would have been less astonished. They'd have been less blown away by the power of God. But actually, Peter and John were just them. It wasn't the boldness that caused the astonishment. It wasn't the words. It wasn't even the healing that astonished the Pharisees. It was the, this stuff. It was that this stuff happened through two normal people who had just given Jesus their yes. God wants to use us. If we want to step into a move of God, we need to embrace our weakness, embrace our ordinariness, embrace our unschooledness. Give God our yes. He's looking for these kind of people to fill with his spirit and use for his glory. Throughout the Bible, God has been passionate about using normal people who are broken and have issues to accomplish his purposes. So give God every part of ourselves today. Give him our personalities and our pain and he'll use us. Give him your frailty and your fractures and he'll use you. He doesn't demand perfection or brilliance, just obedience. Just a yes. One of my favorite passages in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 4. And this is what Paul says, paraphrasing. He says, we have treasures in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The treasure in us is his presence. It's his Holy Spirit. It's his power in us. We are jars of clay. Church, let us not spend our life trying to clean up the outside of the jar. Let's just take off the lid and let God do what God wants to do. Peter and John were ordinary and unschooled. They were fishermen. And yet God took them, took their yes, and transformed them into world changers. We need to live boldly. We need to embrace our weakness and our ordinariness. And thirdly, we need to walk in the presence of God. The Pharisees saw Peter and John, they saw their lives, and look at this verse, they knew that these men had been with Jesus. They knew they'd been with Jesus. Here's the big idea, the presence of Jesus changes everything. The presence of Jesus changes everything. They recognized the presence of Jesus upon these two guys. They saw the difference Jesus had made in their life. They recognized that they had been spending time with Jesus. People can see, people can see your life, the difference Jesus is making. If you want God to use you in this time, in this generation, stay close to Jesus. If you want God to use you to change the world, stay close to Jesus. If you want God to use you to reach your neighbors, stay close to Jesus. If you want God to use you to heal the sick and share the gospel, 
See people come to the kingdom, stay close to Jesus. If you want God's heart for the vulnerable and the marginalized, stay close to Jesus. If you want to share your faith with boldness, stay close to Jesus. His presence changes everything. Rach spoke about this last week, about the ark of God coming back to his people. We carry his presence. He lives in us. And as we posture and position ourselves in a place every day, every moment to become aware of his presence, spending time in his word, on our knees in repentance and prayer, loving people, drawing near to God, I believe we will see all that God has for us. I want to suggest that the boldness Peter and John showed the audacity and the tenacity to step into the things of God that all flowed from their relationship with Jesus. He is the source. He is the source. The presence of Jesus changes everything. There's two ways that this happens. Firstly, it happens transformationally. So as you spend time in his presence, in his word, in prayer, in the community of church, you start to become like him. As you cultivate relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins to transform us into his likeness and grow in us the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is people bump into you around and and they notice there's something different about you. They maybe won't be able to put language to it such as we can tell you've been with Jesus, but they'll say there's something about you that is attractive, that that is fascinating to me, that, that you carry something which goes beyond what most people have and what we're able to articulate to them is that actually that is Jesus in me, the hope of glory. There's a transformational experience that we have, but there's also a spiritual reality that we carry his presence. And as we press into that and as we open ourselves up to more of God, every environment that we step in changes. Every atmosphere that we move in, there's something that happens in the spirit because we carry his presence. We're operating in our authority. We're stepping into these environments and things shift. I remember once um, I went to a, um, a probation center that works with um, men that come out of uh, prison that have been particularly, um, had done some bad things in the area of uh, kind of sexual abuse they get put in this this one sense and I remember going there spending some time with the guys and as soon as I walked in this guy stopped me and he goes wait what's going on and I said what do you mean I'm I'm here for the church and he said no no you're glowing and I was like I'm pretty sure I'm not (laughs) but actually we carry the presence there's things that are going on beyond what we can see spiritual reality and so as we get into the presence of God he transforms us from the inside out But also, we carry his presence into environments and things change. So let me encourage you, church, this morning to make it a priority to spend daily time, hourly time, moment by moment time in the presence of Jesus, in worship, in prayer, not out of a religious duty, but out of a love and a hunger that God is alive and he wants to meet with you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hall Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash connect and stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church 
go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.